Do you guys like free things? Because I absolutely love free things. Do you want to know what's for free? Downloading the Himalaya app. It is 100% for free. And it's awesome because they will curate a library of podcasts made especially just for you. How incredible and special does that feel? I love feeling special and I love free things. Download the Himalaya app to listen to my podcast, Fish Cheeks. Hey guys, you're listening to my podcast, Fish Cheeks. I'm Olivia Sway, and honestly, how are your cheeks doing today? <laughs> mine are feeling, mine are feeling kind of, kind of jello-y. <laughs> today, I sit down with my amazing, incredible friend, Chester Lockhart. She's more than an actress. Chester Lockhart is an attractress. Chester actually texted me that to say on the podcast. But more than that, Chester is my incredible friend. Chester is a actor, musician, editor, director, producer, literally everything. And Chester is also friends with Taylor Swift, so I think that's pretty cool. Anyways, I hope you guys enjoy because Chester's story must be heard because it is so compelling and so brave. And quite honestly, it made me cry. Enjoy. I'm so sorry. Hi. Technical difficulties, you know. It's okay, uh, but we're here. Uh, have you ever done a podcast where I, I, the setup is as long as the podcast? Well, I've never done a podcast that was this like full. First of all, you know. I know. Shout out, Rita. Okay, so let's talk about something. Yeah. I can see your boobies. I know. Do you like them? I mean, in general, I'm not like a like I am a fan of boobies, but not for myself. Mm. And yours look very. Look I gotta nice. say that does not look like this. Cut that in half and that's that. Oh, you're like more of a Costco sample size? So It's so sample size. Okay. Like it's like as if um, it's not even Costco sample size because Costco, they give you big samples. They give you like, it's a good meal. Yeah, yeah. I'm talking about maybe a Pavilion's Vaughn sample size. A little cheaper. Listen, boobies of all shapes and sizes you know, are appreciated. And, and I've never talked about my breasts to anyone, but um, do annual checkups. Exactly. Be, be safe, kids. Be safe. Your health is important. Hi, nice to meet you. Hey, nice to meet you, Chester. <laughs> <laughs> Crocs. Um, this is our first time meeting. It is. How do you feel? I feel amazing. It's been hard. I feel like I have blue balls a little bit because we were just in the lobby, like trying not to get to know each other. Yeah. And oh. now we're doing the full climax. Now we're he here. <sighs> Yesterday, I was on your YouTube. I'm sorry. I. I it was an awakening for me. Oh, no. I I literally sent your links to my best girlfriends, two separate chats, and my boyfriend. And I was like And they were like, get like they were like, message cannot be delivered because they have blocked you. No, my boyfriend was like, oh cool. <laughs> and uh, <laughs> honestly, that's the best I've gotten from any like straight person. So I will take that for he's like, sure. He's like, oh cool. And then my girlfriend's like, oh my God. I'm also getting to know you. So yeah, I, I did some stalking as well. Oh my God, please. On your YouTube. Yes. And so I love a mukbang. Like, like. Oh my God, me too. Clearly. Because like I all your eat. best videos were of you eating, eating. Which is my passion in life. Really? Yeah, absolutely. You're not like an LA person where you don't eat, right? Hey, girl. Mm -mm. So you here's eat? one thing you got to know about me. She likes to eat. Oh. She likes to sleep. <laughs> she doesn't like, I don't like to look nice. Like I like to look nice like after the fact because I'm like, oh, that's good that I tried that time. But like when I'm doing it, I'm like in hell. I'm like, when am I going to wipe all this makeup and eight layers of foundation and take this size one belt off of my body? And 
like so i'm not la also oh i love carbs oh my god me too wait yeah. you're also half asian so and you're korean mm -hmm. and i love korean food mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. do you watch korean mukbangs yeah it's insane how like these little tiny women can fit yeah. 18 octopi into their tiny little body and they're moving and i love it yeah i think I think it grosses people out, but I truly love mukbangs. It's, you know, also like ASMR, like I really didn't get either at first, but now I find it quite soothing in a way because it's like an activity that I don't have to like think about. I know. It's just like background noise, like this thing that's happening. <laughs> I'm so sorry, listeners. There's, I don't know. They're building something. Um, Yeah, I, <laughs> we're just going to try to ignore that, okay? I'm just gonna be louder so it overpower the uh, the the hammering up there, but um, so you eat and I love that because I freaking love to eat. And you're an actress. I am. Are you an actor? I you're am. Actor. Unfortunately, Wait, I just saw something on Deadline about you too. So I'm in a lot of things that haven't come out yet. Why is that? Like how it is? Okay. Well, so to so, so give you some background story, so I like grew up acting that was what I like mainly wanted to do wait you grew up acting life. when you were little too yeah, like like in doing theater and stuff like I I did some like really small things like commercial kind of stuff when I was yeah. like really little and I like loved it and my parents were like okay but like we want you to have a life so they like I thankfully they like kind of made me focus more on like my hometown and like on school and I was like super obsessed with theater and I was like I'm gonna be an actor and where did you grow up I grew up in Riverside County. I grew up in Menifee, Hemet area, which is just like. Oh, yikes. I know. Wait, you grew up in Hemet? Yeah, yikes. I know. Leave. I'm just kidding. No, that's interesting. Hemet, yeah. Uh, Hemet is very in the middle of nowhere. Oh, yeah. Tell me that you, you could say that again. Yeah, I did not. I did not fit in at all. Um, but like, so it was weird because I was like struggling so much to like. I didn't fit in. My parents were super conservative Christian. I was really gay and like loved art and like expressing myself. I, I always knew I was different, but I didn't know. Like, I think when I was like 11 or 12, I learned what being gay, being queer actually mm. meant. And that was when I was like, okay, I can put a name to this. But I didn't want to like tell people because like where, like where I'm from, it's like, especially back then, you know, 40 years ago, because I'm 18, I'm like 85. Um, you know, it's super homophobic, yeah. super right wing, like a lot of things, which, you know, I, it, it just was not conducive to like my mental health and stuff. And so I just felt like this outcast. There were no Korean people. I was like, were you the only one? I was the only, I think there was one other Korean person, but even see, even that's difficult because you know, I don't, I think I'm quite a uh, quote unquote white presenting. Yes. So people yeah. don't realize that I am Asian. And so it's like this weird thing of culturally, that's the only culture that I really knew because my dad's Danish, but he doesn't like have that culture necessarily. Whereas he's my mom- Danish as in like- um, From Denmark. Oh. A pastry. He's, he's a pastry. He's Delicious. a strawberry Danish. Yes. Um, So he's not like second generation from- like or third, fourth, fifth. He's 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 second generation. He's, okay. Yeah, I believe and, second. Yeah, I think second. Whereas my mother is was born in Korea, mm -hmm. immigrated here when she was thirteen years old. Um, so culturally, that was what I knew, and that was like my identity. And also, I'm not close at all with my dad's side of the family. His brothers are are Mormon bishops, oh. so I have like a million cousins who want nothing to do with me. Really? Yeah, which I'm fine with that. As your I'm dad. Good. 
Well, How so my he- dad is from like LA area. He was born in Compton. Okay. In 1950. Wow. So like he's from LA Huntington and he was like in Huntington Beach and then they moved out to where, to Hemet. Actually, no, I was born in Chino Hills. Okay. So we started in LA County and then they moved out there because my dad hates people, which I also am learning to not like people <laughs> as I get older. Honestly, when you get older, you start to realize like I only have a capacity of this many people in exactly. my life. I got like three and of those three people, like I don't see them that often, you know? That's great. That's why we're going to be friends. Even when I see myself, I wake up and I look in the mirror and I'm like, oh, this bitch again. That's why we're going to be friends. Yeah. (laughs) Wait, so that's so interesting. So your dad hated people, moved to, and your mom was- So so my mom, and my mom was like born and raised North Hollywood, I mean, not born, but raised North Hollywood and stuff. And they lived in LA forever. And then they were like, we're sick of this. Let's move to like a smaller area. Mm -hmm. And um, my dad's mother was out there. My my mom's parents were in um, West Covina, which is large Korean population Mm -hmm. there. And um, so anyway, we were there, but it just was like, Oh, it was just rough. It was Did rough. Did you have for friends me. growing up? I didn't have that many friends growing up. I like when I was young, especially like I knew a lot of people. I was super. My parents were always super supportive of me being That's in the amazing. arts, specifically, because um, they met um, going to theater shows. Like they were like obsessed. Gotcha. Um, my mother is a classical pianist, um, oh. and she is also a painter. Um, not by trade, but just by right. Like, they, that's what the passion is. Could have been. And my dad just really loves and appreciates all kinds of art, film, everything. So they were super supportive of me artistically, mm-hmm. and um, but not so supportive of the gay thing. Um, and that was really difficult. But uh, so, sorry, I get, I'm getting so sidetracked. I'm like telling you my whole life story. In no, five I minutes. no. Well, because we just met, and I want the whole idea of the podcast is for other listeners to know that they're not alone and your story is good. It could be very similar to theirs and it's supposed to be inspiring. And honestly, I think you're a great role model. Oh my gosh. Thank you. I feel like I don't feel like that, but thank you. Just by talking to you, the brief, you know, we've just met and then me stalking you on the internet and all sorts of weird ways. Um, white pages. Just kidding. I don't know where you live. (laughs) (laughs) I don't have white pages premium. Go, go, that's fine. No, uh, I just, I think you're, but I feel like what, because you're such a strong person and you give so much, you know, publicly, Mm. it's, I feel like getting there must have been hard because I feel like for me, getting to where I am now was hard for me. Yeah. Yeah. Even being in LA, being a minority, Mm. it's, it's different, you know? you kind of have to build a very strong like self and like an exterior. Yes. So did, when you were growing up, was that like a struggle for you to almost be like an outsider in your own community? Absolutely. So like I, I, first of all, I really resonate, that really resonates with me what you said, because it's like only until recently have I kind of like started to even learn how to like myself, which is like a hard thing to say, but it's so true. Like, yeah. So going back, like growing up, Culturally, I felt really Asian strongly, but then outwardly, people didn't recognize me as mm-hmm. that. Outsiders perceived me as being white, and then like my like besides my actual immediate Asian family, like if I go to like a Asian grocery store or whatever, like they just I'm automatically an outsider. Mm-hmm. So it was this thing of like you know even from a young age I like noticed that, and I 
like we would go to Asia like to visit family and stuff. And I was like looked at as like, whoa, like here's this white kid. Look at this exotic kid. Exactly. To that uh, to everyone, I was very exotic. And you know, obviously (laughs) she loves attention. But um, it was just like, oh, okay, I don't really belong here. And then so then as I got older and I started to realize I was also different because of not only the things that I liked artistically, but because I was the only queer person that I knew, I really it it became a big struggle for me. So like, you know, in middle school, I feel like it's a time when you start to become more self-aware. Yeah. Kind of. Mm -hmm. And that was when I really started to struggle and kids started to bully me a lot because I just was like starting to express myself a little bit. And it wasn't even an... I tried to hide. Like I tried to be blend in. I tried to be more masculine. I tried to do whatever. And it didn't work because I just wasn't intrinsically who I was, yeah. you know, and people can immediately sense that. And so people, you know, made fun of me all the time. I was physically bullied. I was beat up all the time. And and it it was just, it was rough. And then on top of that, my, um, my, my parents are very devout Christians. So I, when I came out, well, I was actually, I was I was outed to my parents, unfortunately, which um What do you mean you were outed? I I one of I think it was my pastor's son or daughter went on my MySpace page and saw something and then told the pastor who called my dad. And so it was a situation where I like got in his car after school and he was like, What what is this? Like, what is this? And it was like it was not good. And um we struggled a lot. I was I was I was like, I don't want to say a, not a bad kid. I was just really like struggling to find a sense of self. And so I started lashing out. Like I was a good student. I was really smart. But then I would like, I would purposely fail my classes because I would to like rebel. I don't yeah. know. I was just angry and I, I, I felt so, so alone. And then so as I got older, when I got into high school and I started to express myself more, it got even worse. And I like, so then I was like, I'm going to be so hard. You guys are never going to be able to touch me and whatever. And then so I got like super into death metal and things like that. And I would like, because I was like, yeah, you think I'm I'm a fag? Like, fuck you guys. Like, I'm going to be whatever. Like, oh, sorry, I cursed. Um, But like, oh. and, but then I even got more, even though I liked those things genuinely, I just like was putting on such a, Facade. facade because I I felt like I couldn't be myself and I felt like myself clearly I didn't have it there was no representation in the media mm-hmm. when I turned on the TV which already was limited because my parents you know restrict about that I didn't see people who were like me and from a very young age I was told like from a place of love which is the, honestly the most hurtful like because my my father especially like he only did things told me things because he genuinely thought it was the truth and that it would help me. Mm. You know, like if I was gay, I was going to get AIDS and I was going to die. And there's no one that's really truly successful that is gay. Like even like you can have a lot of monetary success, but then you're going to go to hell. And then what's that going to be like, you know? So I just had this really, really poor image of myself as if I was worthless and as if I was never going to succeed because I didn't have examples of people like that, you know? And my heart. It, it, it's, it, it just was the truth though. It's, and it also, it's like when I tell people I'm from California, like people from other places automatically have this ideal that California. You're so liberal. Exactly. It's like, oh, you, but like you had trouble fitting in, you grew up in LA and I'm like, it's even in LA, you face like 
adversity, but just a couple hours away, it's a different world, you know? And, and so ringing that in, being an actor, that was my like escape was the arts and like music and stuff. And I was like, okay, this is what I want to do. This is what I love. This is my passion. And so when I finally came to LA, I was like, this is amazing. I finally get to do what I want. This is going to be my community, like whatever. They let you leave. Like your parents were like, go. I was kicked out of my house. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So it got to a point where it was like just not understanding. Not understanding. It was hard. You know when you're young and you just think that you're when your parents do like you think your parents are perfect. So yeah. like or like infallible like they're robots. They're not people. So if they do something or they act harsh or or whatever, it's because they hate you rather than because like they're going through their own things. Right. They're not know? perfect. And so especially now as an adult, you know, looking back, you know, my dad had a lot of different health things like financially. There was a lot of like upheaval. Like my when I was very young, my parents were pretty well off. And then, like, by the time I was a teenager, like, they had made some poor business decisions. Mm. And then we were struggling. Mm -hmm. That affects you. And then beyond that, like, you know, my dad, who is 42 years older than I am, and I'm his only child, like, there's a generational gap. Mm -hmm. There's an interest gap. Like, he just had different interests than me. Even Mm -hmm. though he tried to understand me and appreciate me, he's different. Religious gap. I wasn't communicating because I was very shut off. I didn't tell my parents I was being bullied. Um, because when I tried to tell counselors at my school and the principal that I was being bullied, they told me that I was the problem. They said that you need your, what are you doing to welcome the bullying? And I was like, I'm just walking to class and people are hitting me. So you have to do something about it. Yeah. And so because of that, I was like trained to be like, okay, no one's going to help me. No one's going to understand. So I like did not tell my parents. And, um, so I just, but anyway, so like they just, deeply didn't understand me. And that doesn't justify the things, you know, that I think were wrong, like telling me certain things, but it was always from a place of love. Yeah. They genuinely thought everything they said or did was to try and help me have the best life possible. Because that's all they knew. Exactly. And so it, it, when I became older, it was easy to understand that. But as a teenager, I was like, well, well you guys are the worst. You're the devil, literally. And I would have ran away very quickly. I, I, I feel like, it, you know, like when you feel trapped mm-hmm. and you're just boiling inside, yeah. how do you unleash that? Like, how do you unload all of that? That's just like building inside of you from middle school, from elementary school. Mm-hmm. Like I would be so angry inside. I was pretty angry. I was I even, I mean, I was definitely angry. I was just more like sad. I was just really sad because I just, I wanted to run away, but I didn't even know where to run. And now it's like so crazy because I'm like, oh my God, I I could have gone to LA. I could have gone anywhere. But you know, when you're trapped in that like environment where you don't feel like you can leave, it's just like, it's whatever. And then beyond that, I, I just knew I had this like failure complex. I was like, even if I run away, it's not going to be different. Like no one's going to love me. No one's going to whatever. And so my outlet was acting and singing and eventually dancing. Um, but so I, when I moved to LA, I was like, this is it. This is going to be great. And, and you immediately found friends and, or it was that? No. Yeah. It was, it was a hard experience because now, mind you, this was 10, 11 years ago. Yeah. 
And even since then, it's like so different. So I would go to like, first of all, I couldn't get an audition to save my life. And, you know, partly that was because I didn't have credits, but also because like of the way that I looked like I was obviously, you know, queer. I was ethnically ambiguous. Mm -hmm. I was a lot of things. And so I couldn't get an audition to save my life. And if I did get an audition, I would be if I asked for feedback, they would be like, I think you really need to butch it up. Or like, there's not really like, we don't really see a fit for you in this role. And I'm like, but nothing about the role says anything about, you know, their sexuality or gender yeah. identity or anything. And I was so disheartened because I was like, this is going to be my time. This is going to be the way. This is everything. Mm -hmm. I'm. But And then when I came here, I was so upset that. What you thought was going to be this amazing mm -hmm. thing was almost kind of the same thing as exactly in a home. different way and yeah. so it was i was super discouraged and then so i was like dancing i you know i had learned to dance very late in life like 16 15 where'd you learn youtube <gasps> yes the best best dance classes i i I'd, i would just stay in my room and i would like watch like endless youtube videos and like learn how to dance and stuff and then like i eventually joined the dance team and whatever at my school and i was absolutely god awful but i like worked so hard at mm -hmm. it like when I become really focused on something there's like nothing that could stop, stop me and so um which is also how I learned how to like produce music and to do like everything so at the time doing all this stuff I you know I'm doing quote-unquote I mean you know they're shit jobs for terrible money but it was mm -hmm. all I could do was like these awful dance gigs and whatever and theater stuff which you don't get paid anything for that mm -hmm. stuff and I met my friend Todrick um who's a who's a youtuber and eventually he was like do you want to be my assistant and we were doing hairspray together at the time and I was like yeah I had no other options right. I was like sure I don't know anything about this really but I don't have another option and so I like took a step away from acting and dancing and everything because a, it was just starting to hurt a little bit. It yeah. just felt like I wasn't getting anywhere. Like I was like, I know I'm talented, but no one will give me a chance. And then whatever. So I was like, I'll work behind the scenes. And then from that, fast forward like a million years, I learned how to produce videos and 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 edit and cast and do all these things because literally he would call me and be like, okay, we need to do this video and I need you to edit it. And I'd be like, yeah, sure. I didn't know how to do that shit at all I would just figure it out like because you just, had no other freaking choice exactly I would just stay up all night and figure it out and they'd be like okay we need like and then so eventually Todrick got an MTV show about him which is about mm. us making the YouTube videos and so I was his assistant and his best friend and we were living together and so like he'd be like I need you to get an elephant by 3 p.m and I'd be like yeah you guys had a show on MTV I had no idea no one did what it was, you know, the time when TV people started realizing that the internet was a thing. It yeah. was like 2015 mm -hmm. and like Grace Helbig got that show. Right, right, right. It was at the same time. And everyone in TV assumed that you can just put YouTube people on TV and you don't have to promote it because mm -hmm. they have their audience. Yeah. And that was wrong. Yeah. Was wrong. So you did like a reality type of thing. It was a docu-series. They followed us. It was about Todrick. It was called literally Todrick. That was the title of it. And it was about Todrick and then me and like his other close group of friends and how we made all these like huge budget videos uh -huh. that were different on YouTube for basically no money and how uh -huh. we were living this like kind of sham life almost. And it debuted and they didn't promote it and it flopped. And it was super disheartening again because the whole time during production, they're saying to you like, this is going to change the world. This is going to be amazing. This is going to change your life. It's so good. And then when it flopped, I was like, oh, 
How many times have you heard this is going to change your life? I mean, you're an actor. You know. Yeah. And you work. And like you said earlier, a lot of the things that you've done, it's not come out yet. Yeah. And like that must be also like, I put so much of my work and, you know, there's not even like the work in the moment, but everything that prepped for that. Yeah. You dancing in your yeah. room, like all of these things led to something and you're just like waiting and yeah. you're like, so what are the projects that you did? Well, I mean, speaking of things not coming out, so to tie this in with what I was saying before, I came back to acting basically the beginning of this year. Like actually, no, more like oh, exactly a year ago. Really? Yeah. I I did a show in Vegas, a comedy show. Like I've been, bitch, I'm funny. You so are. I, so I did a comedy show in Vegas mm -hmm. for a bunch of months. And and everyone, people started finally being like, oh, you're like talented. Because I'd been behind the scenes for so long. So people knew me as like Todrick's like assistant and producer and like kind of a dancer. And then people didn't realize that I was like an actor and a singer because I didn't tell anybody. Yeah. Um, so... Also something important, I had a major health scare in 2016 when I was 23 and I kind of, it was like a near death experience What? Um, from me not um, treating, like not knowing how to say no. Um, I was like working, overworking myself. I was staying up, like literally sleeping two hours a night for like a month. Oh. I was drinking like eight energy drinks a day. <sighs> like this was for the entire month of January in 2016. Mm -hmm. So I had like a major like health thing with my heart oh, and yeah. It like made me reassess my life because I I almost it was it was like a near death experience and I had to be like you're living your life for everyone else right now yeah and you your life is so short I was 23 and to have a doctor say like you like you could die was like okay a wake up call yeah so I was like I'm gonna stop doing everything that I don't want to do and start living like tomorrow's the last day that I'm alive. So I didn't tell anyone that I made music and that I was like doing all this stuff in my room, like learning how to produce and record and everything in my closet. I recorded all this stuff in my closet. And so I was like, I'm gonna release music. And then so I did. And then people like responded to it. And it was like, oh, like this is this could be a thing. Like I had just written that off for mm -hmm, myself. Mm -hmm. And then I like got back into like comedy stuff and whatever. And then so like I finally got you know, as I like had built up a name for myself over the years in whatever little way, I'm like not on your level, obviously, but like, you Shut know, up. whatever way. And um, so I, you know, got new agents and stuff and whatever. And so I got back to acting and it was a totally different world because not only was I like immediately getting auditions based on just how I look, but the characters that I was going in for were real people who were not like, um, tokenized like gay people and stuff that were actual people that I related to, mm -hmm. which was the most validating thing to like come back to it. This thing that once made me so upset that I quit acting to literally come back and be like, oh, things are so different. Now I'm being celebrated for who I am and people's stories that I relate to are being told. So the beginning of this year, I was cast in a CW pilot called Glamorous, mm -hmm. which was with Brooke Shields. And um, directed by Ava Longoria. Oh my God. And um, one of my best friends, um, Miss Benny, Ben J. Pierce, was the lead. I actually, him and I did a movie together. <gasps> Benny? Yeah, but I didn't really get to meet him because our call times. He did a small cameo. In this the horror empty, movie? Yes. Oh my God. Yeah. So I remember I was parking in the lot and he was leaving. And I was like, and then, <laughs> and then later on, the deadline article came out like two weeks ago. We're like, Wow, like that's amazing. 
So you did Glamorous with him. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and Peyton List was in it and um, just a lot of people. It was an amazing experience. And I was a, I was a cast as a series regular mm-hmm. for a um, non-binary part, um, like Club Kid, who is like a nightlife entertainer, which is basically what I am. And so it just felt amazing. And um, But it was another instance of people being like, this is, is going to change your world. life. Yeah. And it didn't get picked up. And this is actually the first time I'm talking about this. And it was, you know, it was such an amazing experience. And also so, it was the most validating thing that's ever happened to me Mm -hmm. because it finally kind of proved to myself like, oh, you're talented. Not only are you talented, but people appreciate you for who you are. And this is a character, a story that is so similar to your own and that times have really changed. And so that, you know, but that experience would have been devastating to me. Like, you know, 10 years ago, it would have crushed me. Yeah. And it was, it was, it hurts when something you love and something that's personal to you doesn't happen, but it, it actually like gave me so much newfound confidence. And it has really taught me in the past like year, like I need to change my own perception of myself. I need to change my own image of myself because first of all, I am worth it. But second of all, I'm meandering so much and I'm talking so much. I'm so I sorry. Love I love this. My dad. So my dad is like, brilliant like he is like genius level IQ so smart so compassionate actually like the most like caring generous person Mm -hmm. and um you know he's never really talked about it overtly to me but I struggled with depression I've had like really really bad episodes Mm -hmm. of 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 clinical depression and um anxiety disorder and stuff like that um which I've learned to manage but you know like last year around this time actually I was visiting home for for well they lived in Vegas they moved to Vegas Mm -hmm. they retired and he was like like looked me in the eyes with like basically tears in his eyes and he was like I want you to stop talking to yourself in a negative way like I want you to change your perception of yourself because the reason he was like I am smarter more tenacious I'm a harder worker than all the people I know and yet so many of my friends are wildly successful and I have struggled to even have a retirement for myself basically. Like I've had a good life, but I've had millions of dollars and I've lost it all. And the reason for that was because I never left room in my life to believe that I could succeed. And people who have true success, they make room in their lives because they think they deserve it and can accept it. Mm. And if you constantly tell yourself you are undeserving, you will never ever be happy and you will never achieve the things that you deserve. And that like hit me so hard because like I said, my whole life I viewed myself as being less than and being like trash. And like I, a lot of my humor is self-deprecating, but it comes from kind of a real place because I've built up comedy and stuff as a defense mechanism. Mm-hmm. And you know, that voice in my head when I really talk to myself, I'm like, you idiot, you're so stupid, like all this stuff. And it's damaging. And I have self-tabotaged myself so many times because I didn't think I could ever succeed. Yeah. And so to hear my dad really say to me, like, I believe in you, like you're worthy of this if you just believe in yourself, was like, okay, I have to change this narrative of myself. I have to start accepting things. I have to start accepting that I am not the, the problem. I am the can be the solution. Exactly. And so, you know, it's been really hard to undo that. But this past like year, I'm really working on that. And not only is that helping me, but I think it's like helping the people. Like I don't, I'm not like 
famous by any means, but I do have some sort of small following. And like, I feel like that has like helped me exude, you know, this sense of confidence, even though I don't necessarily see myself as being a super confident person. I think because I like, I'm finally so tired of living as anything else but myself. It is like starting to empower the people that follow me. Like I get, I get messages from kids and like, Alabama or like I, I met this kid and we I was in Japan last year and this boy came up to me and he was must have been 15 or 16 and he was like you know I, I I got kicked out of my house for being gay and I like found you online and I really resonate with you and I've learned a lot of English through your songs which already that was like oh my god you, I cannot believe you even listened to my songs but and he was like you know you seeing someone being successful and like doing their own thing like inspires me to keep going and I like was like, thank you. And I like left and I like broke down and cried. Cause like, it, I think people get into the entertainment industry a lot because they're like seeking attention or not even attention, but validation. Mm-hmm. And when you move to LA, I think you quickly realize that like validation, if you're seeking it from other people, you're gonna keep chasing it your whole life cause mm-hmm. it's fleeting. And if you find validation from within, that is lasting because other people can't define you. They can't give you happiness. That role won't give you happiness. That job, that gig, whatever, that's not going to truly make you a happy person. And so. All those things are very fleeting. So fleeting. But like your core of who you are. And that's why I think, I mean, I know now, I feel like you always had a very strong self Mm. and foundation, even when there were, I feel you're a very strong person for even being mentally where you are now because you faced so much adversity, even from your own family, like being rejected from your community. That's heartbreaking. And being a minority, coming out to LA and still being the outsider. (sighs) Yeah. It's it's so wild. But I feel like now, because times are changing, stories are being told. Yeah, absolutely. And you're not just the token gay guy. Yeah. You're not because... No one asks me, hey, how is it like being straight? Well, what do you, so I'm sorry, I've talked so much. I'm tired of talking. So like you, like, so part of the, like the validation within is like, people are like, how do you deal with so much rejection all the time? And it's fucking hard. But if you have a sense of self, I think you can deal with it. How do you feel like, you know, um, so my best friend, her name is, she's, her name's Rena Salviama. She's an artist. I'm your best friend now. Honestly, I'll take it. Like, capture me, <laughs> abduct me, mom. Um, but she is, she's a Japanese British person. And, you know, especially as she, as like a Japanese woman, she, she is constantly tokenized and spoken yeah. down to and, and fetishized in a yes. way. How do you feel like being in the entertainment industry and like being an Asian woman? I think the whole comedy, your, your comedic voice, like, mm-hmm. that's kind of like your, your wall, mm-hmm, right? Mm-hmm. Because when you're funny and you're making people laugh, they can't hurt you. Yeah. Right? You're like bulletproof yeah. almost yeah. because people love to laugh. Yeah. And when you're being a character, when you're making people laugh, it just feels like you're not even, it's like everything goes white. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. It's just, it's an amazing feeling. And so it's one of those mechanisms that I've always used, even growing up, because I was just telling my boyfriend this. Um, I had to go to ESL classes, like ELD classes, because mm. I came here when I was two and I kept going back and forth from America to China. Oh, you're an immigrant? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Hey. Hey. Uh, so my English was not that good. Mm. So a lot of people would make fun of me or like laugh at me for even, my mom enrolled me to school with my Chinese name. So mm. I would always get made fun of. 
for my Chinese name. Mm. So people would laugh. And I'm like, how do I make that laughter into not laughing at me anymore? Mm. And I'm going to make you laugh. Mm. Like owning that power that I have now, you know, like, oh, you're going to laugh at me for my bad English, for my Chinese name. I'm just going to make goofy faces because I can't really speak English. Like be goofy, Mm. be physical and weird and like make you be my friend. So Mm. that has always been this like mechanism that I used. And then now I just enjoy and, and being fetishized. It's so funny. Um, Back then I was online on this app called Vine Mm -hmm. and people's comments. It was the first time that they would be talking about like my vagina or like, I was like horrified because I didn't, I wasn't online all the time until I started making those videos. And I was like, oh my gosh, horrific graphic comments, especially targeted towards Asian women. Do you feel that way? It, you know, it's like, it's such a double-edged sword now. So like, um, especially with like, I feel like it's like, I don't know what to call it, the Asian wave that's happening right now. Like Mm -hmm. after like, you know, Crazy Rich Asians was like such a huge box office Mm -hmm. hit and really, and like there's so much more Asian representation Music, K-pop is really having such a moment. Obviously, for a long time, you know, anime has been like a thing, but now it's like being so much more legitimized. It's like people have this new, non-Asian people have this newfound interest in Asian culture. Mm -hmm. And a lot of the time in an attempt to be, to try to relate to you and to try to um, explain their love of culture, they do microaggressions, like, like, which is... um, Sorry, I'm plugging my friend Rena a lot. Like she just had this sh- song came out today mm-hmm. called um, STFU. And it's basically about those microaggressions. Like she's on this date with this white dude. And he's like, you know, like, ugh, I am like so indebted to Kill Bill, you know, culturally. Right. And like, you know, I was like, I've been into Pokemon, like, you know, before it was like big in America. And like, you're so like, he's like, so are you like mixed? Cause you'd look like not like Japa Japanese, you know? And she's like, no, I'm, I'm Japanese. Like, you know, so I, th- I think it's like, also, just in America, I feel like we're really starting to be aware of our words and be aware of like cultural differences and start to appreciate each other. So it's changing. But it's that weird thing of like, hey, love you. But then you end up like actually saying things that are like, I'm a person, I'm a human being. Yeah. Like, you can respect me culturally, but we don't have to talk about your favorite Asian restaurant. Yeah. The first thing we Yeah. We don't know. need to know about that stuff. Yeah. I think it's like, overcompensating. Yes, absolutely. And you can feel it because, you know, we've been around for a long time and we were never, like, nobody talked to us like that. Yeah. So it's now, it's just, but I always, I have a boyfriend now, but before I remember dating, I'd be like, guys who only date Asian women freak me out. Yellow Mm -hmm. fever. Yeah. Like, I get it. Like, but it's always like, because of porn, because of yes, anime, because yeah. of all these things. It's, I get it if you only want to date a certain type of people, but there's that fetishized version of what you think. You're like a fantasy. Yeah. And that's like weird. And you can sense that. Yeah, from it's people. super weird. I get that for being like, especially because I like, you know, I'm very, I'm very gender fluid and I, I, I present myself a lot of different ways. The messages that I get like in DMs and stuff, it's like, yeah, you're going to be my little like, yeah. I, I mean, I won't say what it is, but just like, it's always about, about me being this like, they'll use the word lady boy, which is just like, 
don't say that. Yeah, I, I didn't even know people still were saying that. In, I didn't know people were saying that yeah. either. Uh -uh. So, um, but just things like that. So it's just like, but you can tell that energy. Like you can tell immediately they're like. Yeah. Mm. You know, yeah. I, 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 yeah, it's. You, if you see it from so far away and you're like, yeah. oh. Dex for me. I know. I'm just like, I asked my boyfriend, like, do you only date Asian women? He's like, no, never. I was like, great. Amazing. Great. Yeah. Amazing. Love that. Love that, that I think that is, But I think that's a red flag in general. Just anyone who says, like, I only date this kind of person. Yes, I'm I I'm like, agree. that's not a good thing. Even if it's a different race than yourself, mm -hmm. that's not a good thing. I I completely agree. Yeah. I completely agree. And I think, I hope the times are changing where it's like you kind of love people for their soul. Yes. Rather than the shell that they're yes. in. And I'm totally like weird because I think we live many lives. Yeah. And sometimes our exterior is just this shell that we're in and mm. our soul flows from life to like different lives. Do you know what I yeah, mean? Yeah, absolutely. It's, I, I, I never want to just be like, oh, I'm going to mark you as whatever I see in front of my face because your soul is just, it transcends throughout time. I agree. I, I had this discussion with someone recently. It's like, cause, cause I come, I think I'm quite spiritual. Yeah. Like I was definitely raised Christian. So I have like a lot of that like mentality, but mm -hmm. I, you know, even, even beyond like existentially, I think figuratively, like you touch so many people in your mm -hmm. life mm -hmm. and you make an impact them on them. Like, whether you realize it or not. Mm -hmm. So even beyond the, like the like supernatural thing of your spirit going on, like your spirit lives on in the people that you touch and the legacy wow. that you make when mm -hmm. you talk to people. So it's so important that you're like actively doing good because it's like a ripple effect. I didn't mean to be so serious no, this morning. I'm no, sorry. I love it. I love it. And speaking of how you touch people, you're you have such a great voice and your energy and you're you're like a living artwork oh my god go on it's so true Stop. you're a living <laughs> artwork that's just like I, I feel like i see you almost like you're an actor you're a singer you you do so many things but you're just art <laughs> thank you like your that's energy really i feel like your energy is just art thank you you're so sweet you are so kind at the, no no I, I this is this is true, truly. You're like, so sweet. I literally like. I'm obsessed with you. I, I watched your videos, and 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 our friend David E, who who connected you, us, yeah. is like. I'm so obsessed that he that he like made this happen because I just love your spirit and I love how like fun loving you are, but also like how intellectual and how like you don't like you know in LA you meet a lot of people who are just very like they just take their themselves quite seriously. Yeah, and yeah, I yeah. love that you are like, you can be serious and talk about real issues without exalting yourself, which yeah. I just, I love that. And yeah. you're so pretty also. Oh my God, stop. Uh, speaking of pretty. Because <laughs> you have all these like sorts of different costumes and mm -hmm. characters. Mm -hmm. How do you come up with that? Like how do you have your vision come to life? I didn't have any friends, so I would be in my room and I would just make up stories because I'd be like, okay, like I, I would like steal my parents' video camera and like I would like take my action figures. Like for me, it was like Digimon and Pokemon and I would like give them full storylines. Like they wouldn't be fighting. They would be like at the store. 
So doing normal things. Yeah, I was like, yeah, no, people would be like, oh, cool. Are you like battling? And I'd be like, no, they're having a midlife crisis. Like at they the just grocery lost their store. Job. Yeah. yeah I was, and they're crying. Yeah. Jigglypuff is trying to make a career as a singer and no one is taking him seriously. <gasps> I love it. So I feel like that just like. Your as, music videos have a storyline. Like there's a yeah, story and that's yeah, amazing. And yeah. they, it's so cohesive. Like, Thank you. You're I like, was hurt. You're like what Lady Gaga is trying to be like. <gasps> No, I feel that way. You're like, hey, anyone out there, you guys know her. Like, like you're so fucking creative. It's insane. Thank you, thank and the you. fact that you have the discipline to sit in your room and learn how to edit, produce music, <laughs> learn choreography. You're just a powerhouse of a human. Thank you. Thank you. I think the same of you. I think it's so cool how you do different things. Like, no, I don't. I just, yeah, you do. I just love to you're hear myself actress, talk. You're online. You're everything. Right. Yeah. You know what? You know what? I'm, this is going to be a time where I don't discredit myself. Okay. You know what? Hello. We are fucking great. We're Learn to accept good things for yourself. And that's so true. Your dad, Brilliant. Mr. Lockhart. Yeah. Chuck. Great Chuck. guy. Great dude. But this oh, is- also, by the way, sorry to clear that up. My parents and I are very close now. We're the best we've ever been. When did that happen? You know, it was it started with the like health thing in 2016. Right. Like I so I I called my mom like sobbing at the doctor's office mm-hmm. and we were like my parents and I were just like not good. And I was like what am I going to do? And she's like you need to come here and you need to get out of LA and you need to like be here for a while and like recover. And so I did and then you know we started working on our relationship and and my dad and I like my dad is having a lot of you know, to be frank, health problems. And, you know, so and he also, he's 70. Like, mm. it's just that time where you have to really yeah. start thinking like, oh my God, like life is short and mm-hmm. it could end at any moment. So I think because of that, you get clarity the more you realize how frail life is and how short it is. And I think we both have come to this understanding of like, I would rather work on loving you for who you are and not talk about our differences because what's the point? Yeah. We're both going to be gone mm-hmm. in such a short amount of time. Let's cherish every moment. And I think that has really forced us to like come together. Even though we still don't be- agree on anything politically at yeah. all, uh-huh. we're there for each other. And that has made the world of difference. You're so lucky that you're able to open up your heart to that. Yeah. I think when someone so close to you kind of rejected you, I'm such a young, like me and my dad, we have issues. Really? Yeah. Um, me and my dad just, it's, it's, it's a lot of betrayal, you know? Mm. Um, and in a lot of Asian families, you don't talk about that stuff yeah. because it's embarrassing mm-hmm. and shameful. So, you know, I have outwardly told my dad certain things that I feel like he's done so wrong by me and my mom. They're mm. divorced. Okay. Um, but you know he were had they his, together when you were growing up. Yeah, or, okay. so all the way until I was seventeen. Gotcha. So, so it was like it's it was. I had to see that every day, mm. you know. So that always, I just resented him, you know. Mm. And even this morning when I was meditating, I was like, "How do I forgive, truly, deeply forgive someone?" through all the pain that they've caused me. It's really hard, Yeah, you know? And it's very easy to say forgiveness, Mm. but it's really hard to actually really feel it in your soul. Right. And that's something that I always, every day I meditate on, you know, Mm. like truly forgiving. It's hard. It's freaking hard. hard because you know, like your whole life has been, you've 
seen this person in this way. And now you just really have to let that shit go. And it's yeah. not easy. It's easy to say. It's very hard to do. I think it's like as you get older and you just make a lot of fucking mistakes. Mm -hmm. Like I'm I'm a mistake machine. I, I surprise too. myself every day. I when you're when you're a kid, you think you know everything. And as you become an adult, you realize you don't know anything ever. Yeah. And the one thing I do know is how to mess something up. And so like the more the more the more I like see myself fucking up all the time, the more empathy I have towards other people because I'm like, you know what? You're flawed. I'm flawed. There's lots of things that make us this way. People don't just end up being messed up people or doing messed up things. Like we're taught that by others, yeah. by their own mistakes. So I think that has helped me to start learning how to forgive people. And like with my dad, like like I said, like as you grow up and you realize like they're not perfect, they're going through yeah. their own things. And yeah. whether or not it was right, you understand them more. And I think that that has helped me to like, you know, and also I had to communicate. I had to communicate to yeah. my dad. He didn't know I was being bullied. He didn't know that mm -hmm. stuff. Like he knew I was being teased, but he didn't realize that I literally was like getting beat up all the time. And I think that's that's a key point is yeah. you show like you telling them your vulnerability and showing them that you've been hurt. And I think maybe that's one thing I haven't done enough. Now we're going really deep. We're going you guys deep. are all listening no, no. to like this, therapy. I, yeah, this is like one of the podcasts where I've never really shared like my personal mm. life where yeah, like I've never really showed people how hurt I am sometimes because mm. I like to be a certain way yeah, you know yeah. like to be a, a funny goofy very light person but i think behind that there's you never know you can't judge someone just because that's how they present themselves yeah so i think even just hearing from you and your story with your dad i want to open up more to my dad yeah because he taught that moment when he told you to stop you know like putting yourself down mm -hmm. That's something that maybe I can, another lesson I can learn from my dad. You know, there's all these things. At the end of the day, life is so short. And I, you know what I think? Yeah. Parents become less stubborn sometimes. Absolutely. They start, like, my mom used to never cry. Now she, really? like, cries. And she's just become, like, all those things that in the moment what, that would make her mad. Now she's like, you know what? I'm just going to not. Because what's the point? Yeah. What's Energy. the point? You know, I, my mom. My parents are so wise and it's like, also, you know, when you're a kid and you're like, you're wrong, you don't know, like you don't know about me. Yeah. And then I you said grow up yeah. and then you realize you're like, fuck, you were right the whole time. Like, yeah. oh my God, you're right about everything. And like, mm -hmm. you totally, also I realize I am my parents as I get older, which yeah. is just so scary. I hate that. Um, <clears throat> but my mom, so my dad, putting a lot of my parents' business out there. I'm sorry if you guys don't want me to talk about this. You're quite private actually. So Sorry. Um, my dad had a stroke two months ago. And so he's fine now. Mm -hmm. He's great. Mm -hmm. Thank God. Mm -hmm. um, but so when we were in the hospital, um, I was there. I, I flew out to my parents live in Arizona now. I flew out to Arizona. And I was with my mom. And she like he was doing good. They, at that point, he was stable. So we were just like kind of catching up. So honestly, it was like a blessing in disguise because I like got to spend a lot of time with my parents for, mm -hmm. for like a week. But my mom was like, who's like fierce, like, Asian businesswoman, like she doesn't take shit from anyone. Mm -hmm. And we could talk about that too, because, you know, my she. My mom too. I think it comes from like. Okay, wait, put a pin in that. Okay. Anyway, she told me, she's like, there, everything in your life is, falls in two categories. Everything is urgent. It's either urgent and important or urgent and unimportant. You and you and you and I. 
think about every single thing you do and how you're so busy and how you never allow yourself time to mm -hmm. sleep and relax and stuff. And think about all the things you do every day and which of those things is going to matter five years from now. Mm. Like look back five years ago and like go through your email. Look at the emails you responded to and spent so much time on and think about, hmm, did that actually do wow. anything for you five years later? And I did that. And I was like, wow, it's really weird how it puts everything in perspective. Like yeah. we spend so much of our time because everything all day, we have to do so many things. You're like, I have to get edit this video and I have to do this <laughs> and I have to go make this appointment. And then you don't take time for the things that matter, which are your relationships with yourself and with others, with your family, with whatever. And so I've really started to like realize, okay, not only for my career, I got to like take time for me and like do whatever and take time to relax, which I don't know how to do. But beyond that, to like talk to people and be like, this is how I feel and this is important to me. And I feel like, you know, with your dad and with your parents, especially that communication aspect, like you got to say in a way that is from a place of love and trying to be understanding, like we have some issues and mm -hmm. I feel hurt because of this and this. And I would love to like work on kind of rectifying this because I have, you know, that's kind of what I did with my dad. And while we still differ a lot, like I have started to say to him, you know, like, this made me feel this way and and whatever. And I was afraid to do that, not only because of what he would say, but because I didn't want to drive him away more and because I felt like my feelings were invalid. Mm -hmm. And once you put those things aside and start doing the work, which is hard at first, yeah, the reward is so much better because you're fixing the problems that yeah. you have, you know? And that's it's the hard urgent, your... important things. Exactly. Yeah. Listen, y'all say I don't listen, mom and dad, but I, I listen. Okay. He listens. But another issue that maybe you guys out there listening find is that sometimes I, f I language barrier yes is a absolutely. huge aspect mm -hmm. my dad does not speak a English little bit of English all. at all and my Mandarin is not very it's it's good but it's not to a point where I can say certain words that convey how I feel interesting so it's almost like talking to someone that doesn't fully understand what you're saying or right. you can't fully express what you feel That's because difficult. there are certain words that you just don't know how to say. That's so difficult. You know, it's, I, I, I get that because a lot of, like my, my grandparents, like they speak English, but my grandmother speak, I mean, she just nods her heads and laughs a lot of the time. Mm -hmm. And so there's like a very platonic barrier between us because mm -hmm. I can't really talk about what I'm doing. And even if I try to explain like, and then even when she tries to me to explain stuff about our past and stuff, like I don't, you know, there's so many questions I want to ask them. My grandmother, I, I found all this out as an adult. My grandmother is um, Japanese oh. of descent. And okay. my grandfather was born in North Korea. So wow. there's a lot of history there. And I would love to know some of that past yeah. because culturally she's not Japanese at all. And, you know, it probably it probably was a comfort woman situation, mm -hmm. unfortunately, or like a mm -hmm. abduction thing. Mm -hmm. But I can't even begin to talk to her about that because she wouldn't know how to explain it to me. And I wouldn't even know how to ask the right questions yeah. in Korean. And so I can I that that's really a unique thing that I think people don't understand that aren't yeah. from like immigrant families and there's yeah. no answer for yeah that. there is a book that i read uh called on earth we're briefly gorgeous Ooh, and uh great title yeah it's this author ocean vuong he is a poet and he wrote this book it's basically a letter to his mom that will never learn how to or know how to read it because she's vietnamese and she doesn't really speak english and she can't read she's illiterate 
So wow. you need to read this book. It's amazing. And in that book, he just is unloading all of these stories that he's, you know, heard from his grandparents and all the ways that he's felt like such an outsider mm. um, and all the things that he wish he can say to his mom and have her understand. And it's, it's, it's a really, really wow. heartbreaking, heartbreaking book. And uh, it's beautiful. But yeah, it's a, I, it's a thing that happens with immigrants where you live in this country, you speak the language here, but you just cannot really communicate to your parents who brought you here, yeah. who, have, who speak a different language, you know? Oh, this is what I was gonna say. Oh, yeah, about your mom. My mom, she speaks perfect English. Like has worked very, very wow. hard to like have no accent whatsoever. And uh -huh. she is very like, I'm American. Like uh -huh. she wears like American flag shirts. She's a Republican. Like she's very like, I'm an American. And I always like, growing up I was kind of like, Mm -hmm. Yeah. Or why are you doing this? Yeah. Like, there was, I'm sorry to put you on blast, mom. There was a time when I went with her to the DMV. She was renewing her license. And they were asking, like, and what ethnicity do you want us to put down? And she said, American. <laughs> and I was like, <laughs> Mom. But you know, as an adult again, yeah. I look back and I realize, like, she immigrated here when she was 13 in the 70s. Yeah. What a different, like, think about just in the past 10 years, how much things have changed just for someone like me. Mm -hmm. And then I can't imagine being an Asian woman growing up in LA County, not speaking English, mm -hmm. you know, when she first moved here, how tough that must have been, how difficult it must have been for her to grow up, to succeed in business, to be, she was like, I'm going to be a businesswoman. Yeah. I'm going to do all this stuff. And like, so I'm sure that she had to really put on this front of like, I'm impenetrable. You're never going to fuck with me. Yeah. I'm going to be so, you think I'm not American. I'm going to be so American. You're yeah. not going to even know what to do with me. I'm going to pledge allegiance every hour. Like, like you, I like hard metal. You cannot do anything. With exactly. Me. And so it's just so interesting the different ways that people, but, but I, you know, I have friends who have, have Korean parents who they choose not to speak English, even though they move here mm. because it's an, it's a thing of, they would rather stay in their own community and not be subjected to the vulnerability of someone. Because if you just don't speak English to someone, then you're kind of like looked at as, oh, you're you're this, you're not really touchable. But if you try to speak English and you do it wrong, you're that's where the ridicule comes in. Yeah, you don't want to be ridiculed. Nobody wants to be embarrassed. You know, and it's such a it's such a hard hard thing to see like your parents go through something like that where they have worked so hard and given up so much to yeah. come to a different country where they are truly outsiders yeah. to give you a life. And then you, in return, you feel like there's a barrier between you because of that. Exactly. Exactly. Sometimes I see my mom I'm and I- I'm tired now. I know. Can you drop your skincare routine I'm or tired. something? <laughs> I- um. I have really bad- I have sensitive skin, which my I saw on your video. My skin is an outsider. Looking in. <laughs> Looking inward in a glass case of <laughs> emulsifiers. That's yeah. my skin. Um, I was watching a really gorgeous video of you going to the dollar store and your <laughs> friend was putting makeup on you with bread. Oh my God. Yeah, bread is basically a beauty blender. No. Pro tip not. kids. Uh, uh, no, I, you have great skin. You're like. Thank you. It's it's a lie. But, really? Um, I do like, I have like a, well, not anymore. Do you I do used, like the 54 step? I used to have a 625 But like, step. isn't that just layers on your yeah. face though? Is, is it really penetrating in your pores? Number one, if you're just using, like a lot of the products that I use have the same ingredients, like certain things. So at that point it's like, why the, 
fuck am I using eight products when they have the same ingredient yeah. that I like? And then beyond that, like, yeah, my skin couldn't breathe. So I had super bad acne as a kid. Because you were doing the-, the No, as a kid, I just had horrible acne. I had cystic acne. Oh. Um, I was super stressed out. And then on top of that, I just- I would I be fucking stressed out too. <laughs> but I also just, I think it was like a hormonal thing. Like I just had bad acne. So I, I tried everything and then I went on Accutane and that oh. like, I, I think that's actually, I don't think they're allowed to- Really? Anymore? I knew so many people who went on Accutane. I don't but you think just they can't do it have anymore. Babies on Accutane. Right. There's on okay. every pill, there's a picture of a deformed child with a lie what? through it. That's not a lie. Yeah. Claravis was the was the version of Accutane that I was on. Um, I don't remember what the actual thing Isotretinoin. How do you told you guys he's a genius? <laughs> I don't know why I remember that. You have to get a blood test every week. Oh, right. Because your liver can get super damaged. You can't drink. You can't drink. I was I was underage at the time, so I wasn't drinking anyway. But like they're like, you cannot drink. Somebody follows the laws. So I was like a really good kid. Like even though I was, that's the thing is like I was trying to be like so hard, yeah. but secretly I was like, I'm gonna do all my homework tonight. <laughs> I'm gonna turn in every assignment, or even worse, I'd be like, I'm gonna do my homework and then not turn it in on purpose. I get so lazy. This one thing I've been using microcurrent. What is that? Oh, it's like this new face device where your face gets lifted. It's Crazy. Like it like electroshocks your face? It's just these anti-age. I don't I don't know, dude. I What is the current? <laughs> the current situation that's happening right now. I don't know. I don't know what the current is. It's just microcurrent. I don't know. Well, what is it? It's supposed to like hold your muscles or like your cells. So it's like a physical, like it's, it's like it a physically like 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 I will do like one eyebrow and it'll look like this. But it is. Is it a stick? I just don't even know what this oh, thing it, is. Oh, it, it's it's this device with two balls on it, and hey. uh, a uh, There's like a power button, and then there's how strong and how less of microcurrent you want, and then you just like go like this. Can you it, feel it vibrating? Like it doesn't vibrate. You have to use a gel or a primer so it doesn't sting your face because so it's, it's very. It's like electricity. Oh, so it's. Oh. It's it's insane. It's it's like. If you don't use a primer, you're, it hurts. It's like zapping. Yeah. So it's a taser. I get offended when I see um, these fast fashion companies selling cheap house, you know, like the traditional. Let me tell you something. Um, I, the, the, I, I used to be the kind of person who was like, oh, I'm not sensitive. I walked into H&M one day. This was like two years ago, three years ago maybe. Nicki Minaj did a collection with H&M and it was all like. Asian, like it wasn't even. It's specific. fetishized. Yeah. yeah, and I was like, Nikki girl, what is this? And there were like, there were like cheap house. There were like, like, um, there was one that was like a uh, Chong Tom. Is that how you say it? The the you know the like the like traditional almost Chinese cut dress, uh -huh. and it, but it was like Nikki's face on it. And it was pink, and I was like, Oh my god, I hate that cringe. No, and I was like, Babe, why? 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 I get. The fact that somebody is just really appreciating the culture. I love that if you just appreciate But when you slap your own face on it, yeah, like that's, that's not it. And um, and you know her song Chun Li? It's a, I mean, it's a bop. It's but, a bop. It is. But certified. at the same time, <laughs> respect my girl yeah. Chun Li. Yeah, okay. Should billionaires exist? Oh. They they like it's like, it's technically socialism, but yeah. like now a lot of capitalist people are kind of behind it because like if you do the math, like for instance, like $1 billion, like Bill Gates, mm -hmm. if Bill Gates spent a million dollars today from today until the day he died, he would not even make a dent in his income. So it's basically the idea of like a lot of these companies like Amazon made like 
bajillions of dollars mm-hmm. last year mm-hmm. and paid zero dollars in taxes because of companies and people get breaks like that. And people are like, we need to put more regulations and taxes on these people. And people are like, but it's my wealth. I want to accrue it. And I agree because I think that if you work for your money, you know, obviously like there's a lot of unethical ways to get money that I don't agree with. But like, I think that people should keep their money to a large extent. But if you're literally so rich, you can't physically spend your money. Mm -hmm. What the fuck? We could end world hunger. We could end childhood. We could poverty. We could end everything if you just like literally, like I said, if just Bill Gates spends a million dollars every day, a million dollars. Oh my God, it's eleven forty. <gasps> oh my God, we're. Oh my God, I have so much to want to say to you. I know. I don't want to stop talking. I don't want to stop talking. Maybe he can come back on again. But I want to talk to talk to him about K-pop, everything. Oh yeah, we didn't even talk about. I so, know. We, we were so serious. We for were so, so long. serious, guys. We have to wrap this up because um, it's getting late. Um, if we do a mukbang. If we do a mukbang, we can talk about it. Yes. He's guys, this you just you just saw a blossoming friendship right now. Okay, hello. I'm gonna marry you. I'm gonna I'm gonna marry you too. My parents were not expecting this. Oh god, they're, they're gonna like, be so plot stoked. twist. <laughs> My dad is gonna cry. He's gonna be like, oh thank God. <laughs> thank God. He's not going to hell. <laughs> Sorry, was that joke too far? No, it's very true. I know, I know, but I it's feel a good like- impression of him. Have you met Chuck? Chuck. Lockhart. Lockhart? Chuck Lockhart. From Hammett? <laughs> yes. From Compton, technically. Uh, guys, go follow at Chester Lockhart. Go listen to him on Spotify. What? what any upcoming things you want to fucking promote? Um, when is this going to come out? Um, next year, probably. Uh, next year. Okay. Um, I just did a horror movie on Hulu called- Into In- the Dark. Part of Into the Dark. It's called Midnight Kiss. And <laughs> and then this hasn't been announced yet, but it will be by then. But I'm guest starring on Shameless. So um, <gasps> oh my watch God, that. Chills! Watch that. Uh, yeah. Oh my God. Uh, songs? Um, I currently, right now, which this won't be next year. Hopefully you'll be hearing about this next year. I'm like working on my album, which is hopefully going to be done soon. So I'm doing a lot of stuff. And also there's a lot of construction. I have to go to my day job, which is building this building apparently. Yeah, go. They're calling your name, Chester. Guys, thank you so much for listening to Fish Cheeks. This is so wonderful. I love you guys. I love Chester. This is going to be my future husband. Okay. Bye guys. Bye. See you at our wedding. (laughs) I'm being serious about Thanksgiving. I'm being serious.